Then what's the best way to achieve Another question. That's a good question. Go ahead. Another question. May Yaakov, you have a question? Any question? Not right now. Before? Which you really don't have left as you. What? I don't know exactly how to phrase the question, but what are we going to do with all the dollars? All right, that's a good question. Maybe we'll talk about that. Any other questions? How do you understand the Lost all the sin, you know, the, the, uh, in the oh, the midbar. Yeah, no. Yes, Danny. What about the externalities of uh, of being from the hats and the uh, begging? That that will be for last. That's an easy question. Yes. Yeah. Uh, somebody once told me that Yaakov, at one time, he's he learned for a few years. Uh, didn't all, all night, he didn't sleep. The question is, if how can you how can you get along without sleep? No, if the Jews got Torah at Mount Sinai and Yaakov lived before then, what did he learn? Oh, that's a different question. Hold on, what do you want, Swifty? Uh, I remember reading the Pumish something about that the one generation does one one uh, set of parents and say does uh, something wrong. They bring it on the children. Second and third generation. That's only if the children do the same thing as the parents. Let's leave that question. All right, we'll come back, we'll talk about Rafal's question. Rafal's question bothers me too, so let me see what I'm thinking about. His question is, more or less, let me talk, just let me talk. You know what the strength of a nation is? The strength of a nation First, let me talk in Claudius, then we'll talk about Goyim. And it's true for Goyim. The strength of a nation is its great people. What do I mean? What do I mean? The Gemara says about Moshe Rabbeinu that the Torah was Bashamayim in the heavens. Ubo Moshe, and Moshe came, and he brought it down to the earth. Now, I want to use that as a theme. There are a lot of wonderful ideas in the world. Wonderful ideas. If you ever read, if you ever read the history of utopias, there were, there were attempts, I don't know if you know what utopias are, there, there were attempts of people to get together and make from the times of Plato and the Republic. What's Plato's Republic? He's trying to construct the ideal society. From Plato till Professor Skinner's Walden II, if you read it, it's an attempt, it's an attempt to construct rules and regulations how to make a perfect society a happy society. Now, the history of utopias, as far as I can recollect, is that all of them with the exception of the kibbutzim in Eretz Yisrael, which in itself is a discussion, all the utopias failed. They started off, they worked for a while, there were utopias here out west in, in the early 1800s. You can say all of them failed, except for the kibbutzim. The proof of an idea the establishment in this world of an idea is when you see a person does it. 
you can talk about an idea, you can go to the university and sit in an ivory tower, and, I mean, you go into a think tank and people will talk about an idea and they'll give reasons this way and give reasons that way. When the Ford company about 15 years ago, I don't know exactly how many years ago, decided to come out with a car called the Edson. I don't know if you remember. The late 50s. So the Ford Motor Company, you think these big business people, they know what they were doing. They invested tens of millions of dollars to produce the Edson, and it fell flat on its face. And I'm sure that when they decided to make it, it wasn't a flighty thing. They just didn't grab machinery and put together a car. There were years of preparation until they decided to do it, and then in its production, in its execution, and the thing fell flat on its face. They sold a few wetzels, and nobody bought it, and the money is given. They said, Karish after the money, they put up a Yansad class after the money, and that's it. Why? Because from what you discuss as, as, as rational, as logical, and as ethical, as moral, as you might think, what you discuss up here, and it's not down here, it's, it's good. It has a value. I'm not saying that ideas are obsolete. But the crucial test of an idea, especially an idea that applies to life, is living with it. If somebody comes along and says that renunciation of luxuries is spiritually right, it's spiritually healthy, so you could sit in a living room and bandy about the idea a whole evening. But if a person goes out and lives creatively, not he becomes a recluse, you know, you can go live in a cave. But if a person takes and gets married and has a family and he raises a family and his children are happy and they're healthy and they're psychologically well balanced and, 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 and he lives without any luxury, so it's a plus for the idea. He says, look, you go into B'nai Brak, where there is, you can say, between the Kolel members in B'nai Brak, and in Yerushalayim, you could say they live in abject poverty, most of them. I would say 75% of them live in such poverty that it's unbelievable. I was in a house, and we were invited for supper by a member of a Kolel. So he finished supper, so his wife said, would you like a glass of tea? I said, okay. So the other fellow says, uh, that was with me, he says, he says, maybe I have coffee. So the husband turns around and says, coffee? We haven't had coffee in the house for seven years. Can't afford it. And he's happy. Not only is he happy, but he's a big person. It's not that he is poor because he is unable and incompetent. He's poor by choice. He's not even poor. Who is the rich man, the one who is happy with this portion? He's richer than I am. I'll tell you something. I don't, I couldn't ascertain the original color of his jacket. I didn't know whether it was blue, whether it was gray. It was so faded, and it was sewn up here, rubbed out here, the sleeves folded over here. And in that home, you walked in, the walls were smiling. Walls were smiling. An American fellow from Washington, D.C., who went to Israel, who went to Yeshiva, who chose, you know, the, uh, how shall I say, spiritual values above American values. And, and that's what he is. 
And if you go, if you know B'nai Brak, there are a number of people there that, um, Americans, I'm talking about Americans now, that live on this island that are fantastically happy. So, so when you speak about, I'm not, look, I'm not preaching, I don't preach in general, but I'm not suggesting that we should all take up such a life. I'll tell you why, and maybe in a minute, we'll come back to that later. I'm not suggesting such a thing. But there are people that, uh, you met a young man, a couple, uh, that, you know, her father's a millionaire, came to the Briss in the Rolls Royce. Came to the Briss here in the Yeshiva, the Briss was here, came in the Rolls Royce, her father. Father has jumping horses. And his father is a millionaire, multi-millionaire, has an 18-acre estate. And you saw what they live on. And he doesn't, and he's capable, he, and he doesn't do that because he's incompetent. He does that, this is the way he wants to live. And I wish it on all my good friends. And I know how to live like they live. Now, what am I saying here? I'm saying that if somebody is thinking, thinking, which way is right? Well, somebody thinks with the idea that I should live in such a way of renunciation of luxuries and unnecessary, and unnecessary expenses, and unnecessary nourishment, and and, and 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 I don't need an electric mixer for my cocktail. I could mix it with my finger. And I don't need an electric toothbrush. I don't even need toothpaste. I could use bicarbonate of soda, which is better than toothpaste and healthier than toothpaste. And he doesn't know. He's alone. He doesn't know. And he's groping with the idea, and he has these feelings inside his neshama. He has these feelings. So when you meet someone who has achieved this, and you, and you see, and you see that he has done this, you get strength. You get strength. Alone, loneliness is, is one of the worst diseases there that can affect a human being. Somebody who has an idea alone, you know, to do something alone, 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 alone. Loneliness is a disease. A godl, a godl, you know what a, godl, a great Jew was? A great Jew took the Torah and concretized it and, and brought it down into three dimensions. Brought it down into three dimensions. A person learns about davening. Now davening, most of us is a drudgery. You gotta get up in the morning and put on the film and say the words. You don't know what all the words mean. And even if you know what all the words mean, you don't want to do it. But there's no one in the room here, no one sitting in this room that thinks that davening is useless. He finds it difficult. I'm tired. I'm lazy. I don't know what it means. He can make a whole list of things. You know, why, why it's difficult for us to daven. But if you saw G'daylem daven, I saw people daven. I saw the Chazanish, the Chazanish, the Briskarov, Rebbe Sazan, the Meltzer, uh, then I saw lesser ones daven. You know, I saw one fellow daven, he, went, he came to America before the war, I was a child, and then he went back and he got killed. He was a Shochet in Riga, but Martha Chaifetz. And I saw him daven, I tell you, and, and I'm not fooling myself, his face was red, it was glow his face was glowing, you saw that he's someplace else. You know, it didn't make any noise. You saw he was he was so you saw that the man was so big, you know. 
when I was a child, I saw it. That's the way he's supposed to daven. It's not you can't imitate that type of daven, but I knew it can be done. He opened up for me as a child. I was uh, I was uh, I must have been uh, eleven years old, twelve years old. Uh, I saw that there's a way you could daven. It's not something that I speculated in my mind. A person you speak to people today, you hear people they say, "Oh, you can't be honest in business." Now, now it's true. It's almost true that you can't be honest in business. It's almost true. Uh, business in America, uh, payola is 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 a is a is an accepted norm in business. You have to pay off the buyer in order for her to or he to buy your product. You have to pay off the trucking company in order to get your product delivered. You got to pay off the the uh, postman to take your letters out of out of the. If not, he'll dump your letters into a garbage can. I mean, today's world is corruption is so so. You, so when a person's thinking of going into business, so you see, he listen speaks to a few businessmen and I says, ah, oh, you can't be honest. You can't be honest. But if you meet the Chafetz Chaim, who was a businessman, or you meet businessmen. Uh, I know some businessmen, they don't even have beards, up in Washington Heights in the, the German-Jewish community. I know a few businessmen that have big business. They manufacture machine parts. They are the most correct people that you ever see in your life. They will not do anything and they're very, very successful. And they're religious people. And it's only because they're religious people that they are like that. They won't, they're very, very straight in business. You see, the the Anodam Godel was is, is someone who took the Torah, incorporated it into his life, and it comes out in a unique artistic way, and that's a strength in Israel. When the Chavetz Chaim said that he doesn't speak Russian horror, hundreds and thousands of Jews in various degrees stopped speaking Russian horror. Because he came and said it's possible not to speak Russian. And he devoted, he took his genius, and he wrote a sefer, and he made a Shulchan Aruch, the Shulchan Aruch of the tongue. It never existed. The sefer Chafetz Chaim. Why do they call him? His name is not Chafetz Chaim. His name is Israel Meir Akayim. But he wrote that sefer called Chafetz Chaim. So that sefer is a law. It's a fantastic sefer. You have to be a Talmud Chacham to learn it. If you don't know how to learn very well, you'll distort whatever it says there. You have to be a Talmud Chacham to learn. The genius he put in hundreds of pages with thousands of notes and footnotes. All it is, the laws of the tongue, how a person should speak straight. How a person should speak. Other people said, it's impossible. You must speak Lashonar. He said, no, you don't have to speak Lashonar. So he came down and took that whole concept of the Torah and, 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 and concretized it and gave it a body and gave it a reality. That was the strength of the Chafetz Chaim. Holiness. Kedushin. Kedushin. You know, we, I'll, I'll say something, you know. I mean, it's beyond me, you know. You know, we eat. I mean, we are in, our eating in the United States is already insane. It's insane. Our eating is not normal. I mean, you can go and you can... We, we eat, you know, this is the only country that has diet problems, you know. Uh, uh, I mean, our eating is not normal. You can, uh, uh, you know, I, I was, you know, I, I was in this store, you know, and I wouldn't believe it. You know, he said, somebody told me this I thought that was a fantasy of their mind. But I come to the store on the Latin key. They have, uh, they have bear meat. What else did I see? Snails, little ones. 
and ants, ants, chocolate-covered ants. I thought it was a joke. And of course, it's very, very expensive. I mean, you know, how to eat. You had to see G'daylem eat what they ate, their control, their self-control. You know, the eating was a spiritual ex- experience. I mean, I, I come to a wedding here sometimes, I get nauseated. The Jewish weddings, the Orthodox weddings, they have, to have a little money. I mean, you come in, there's a Shemogos board. The people sit by the Shemogos board, it's like a like a, a Roman bachanal, you know. They have every type of food that you want, where the people still, hum, 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 hum. You think they never ate in their whole life, so they just ate so much. After the ceremony, before the meal, a guy comes out again with a tray. Then there comes the meal. The meal in itself is an insanity. And then you finish the meal, they take out, a, the people start running at first few times. I didn't know people were running. I thought there was a fire. It was a Viennese table. <laughs> there was a Viennese table. The people start running, you know, running and running. My life, my life, another. That's that's not holiness. That's not Kedusha. That's not, all right, we're... We're young people, you know, we eat, you know, we don't think too much, we eat, we're hungry, we eat, we eat whatever we like to eat. But the big people, the big dolan, I mean, you know, the, you know, the real, the real big people, I remember how my, my rabbi, one of the rabbis that I got smicha from, was, you know, shown was, he used to eat, I mean, I was a child, I would marvel at how he ate. I would marvel at how he ate, it was unbelievable. You know, I saw he ate, I remember he was eating toast and next, I mean, but he ate, you know, it was, a, it, was, it, was, it was a virtuosity in what he was doing, you know, I saw that he was spiritual. I saw that you could eat and be removed from it and, you know, it's a high, very high madrege, but the fact is that I saw it. The fact is that I saw it. And it made a very big impression on me. What am I saying? That a god in every aspect of Torah, you come in kindness and chesed. I mean, uh, you take a man like Rabbi Moshe Feinstein as I know him very well. We used summertime neighbors. We are. We were. So I used to, for about five years, we used to be right next to each other. And I used to come to Davin in his house. And he used to speak to me. He's sitting on the lawn and he's learning. He's a fantastic masmid. His diligence in learning, he won't waste a minute. In the biggest heat, he sits without a shirt and his underwear with his telescoping in the back. You know, writing, you know, his notebooks with his foreman. So he's sitting there and a man, I didn't see this, but somebody told me this. A man, little standing there with his grandchild and... Uh, He's sitting and learning with Moshe, and he notices that the grandchild's ball, these big balls, rolls down, rolls down into a ditch. There's a jump off the chair, and Moshe Feinstein, he runs to the end of the ditch, jumps down into the ditch, brings out the ball, and gives it back to the child. And the, and the kid's grandfather runs over, met you know, the Rosh Hashidah, Moshe Feinstein, he should stop learning in the middle and running into the ditch, and he thought he got it went out of his mind. What is he doing? So when he gets, he says, what is it, Rebbe, well, you know, Jewish says, what's Tutti? He says, I would bring back the ball for the kids. He says, didn't you once have a heart attack? He remembered that the man had a few years ago a heart attack, and he was afraid to let the man go down into the ditch. You know, the rapidity, you know, to run, to run. He has 
Now you can't get to see him. He can't hurry. He's an old man. He's not feeling well. So he has secretaries that guard him. Don't let, he has to answer Mamish literally tens and hundreds of questions a day from all over the world. So a lady comes in. She has to see the Rebbe. So the so Rivlin says, what do you want to see the Rebbe for? She says, I have a business. The Rebbe knows me for a long time. She says, just tell him Mrs. So-and-so is here. So he says, so something's funny here. He's on the east side, on East Broadway, Manhattan. So he, he let the lady in, and he sees that Rabbi Feinstein locks the door. And then about a half hour later, the lady comes out. He saw something funny here. So he went and followed the lady, and he spoke to her. He says, you got to tell me what business you have with the rabbi. So honestly, she tells me, I have a nephew in English with a broken English that lives in Israel. And she said, I can't write any Hebrew. So I come, I had to find the rabbi. I went in here a few years ago, so I found the rabbi. He writes for me the letters to my nephew. So Rabbi Moshe Feinstein, who is the, one of the biggest poskim in the world, you know, he, he, he wouldn't throw her out and tell her, no, 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 no. And he takes off from his time to sit and, uh, and, uh, and, and write letters, you know, to, nonsensical letters to her nephew in Israel. Now, now, this is not because he's a nice guy. He's not a nice guy. I know him personally. He's as tough as nails. He looks like a nice guy. He is far from a nice guy. He is tough. He's like steel. But in his accepting the Torah and extracting from the Torah what a person should be, what a person should be, so he'll write a letter for it. He'll write, I mean, so what happens is the people around them that see this, this is more than a, this is a gift to rent the people to understand what they're supposed to be in this world. What are you supposed to be in this world? How are you supposed to act in this world? And in whole Europe, this that you see Williamsburg, if you ever was in Williamsburg, you see all the chassidim. This, after the war, it was nothing. There was nothing left except for ashes. These people were not chassidim. One man made them into chassidim, the Satmar Rebbe. The Satmar Rebbe, he made them all into chassidim. He took the remnants, the broken remnants that were left after the war, he took them together, one after one, one family after another family. He took them and he, by strength, he himself, he built it. The whole Borough Park and whole Williamsburg is all the Satmar Rebbe. How did they get strength? Because he, they, they saw in him things. So man that for 50 years he hasn't slept in a bed. For 50 years the man didn't sleep in a bed. You ever see him? I saw him many times. Now he's sick. But when, in, in, uh, 20 years ago, when he came, so he used to sit by a shadow bracha, so by a wedding, he used to see him go like this. And my friend got married, and it was, it was the shadow bracha, and he was a brilliant young man, and it was the custom that the chassan said tyrant. So the chassan was saying Torah, and the satmara went like this. So the chassan was a very rich fellow, an audacious fellow. So the rav went like this one, so the chassan stopped, so he went up again like this. Then it happened, eh? it happened about four or five times, the chassan stopped, he doesn't want to say it. The satmara is not listening. So the satmara turned around to him by the shadow and told him over the whole Torah from the beginning to the end, every word that he said. You know, and he, 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 he drowses off. If you know the Satma Rebbe, when it comes to matters of money matters, money matters. I don't know if you know, in Williamsburg, 
chassidim are very big bavit stock. The poorest people get stuck into such amounts of money, it's, it's, you can't imagine. It all comes from him. Millions of dollars pass through his hands. I once went into him years ago. I was working in Israel when they first let the first Jews out of Romania. The communists let Jews out of Romania. So I went and I was on a mission in Israel to help establish schools for them. Because what happened was that, for instance, they took these Jews that I met that were living by the northern border of Israel, and there was not one religious school there, there was no shul there. So we went to establish for them schools and shuls. So when I got back, I went to see the Satma Rav, he should give me money to help me. So they came in, so he's Jewish is to me, what did you do? So I told him, I made, we sent the kids to that school. She starts screaming at me, you sent the kids to that school, that school's a Zionist school, he starts screaming, it's no good a Zionist school. And he turns around to his secretary and says, give him $500. Me and had such control. He meant to criticize me, you know, and to, not to let me think that I'm right, but on the other hand, he knew, what, he appreciated what we were doing, right in the middle of what he's talking about, give him $500, you know, and... His, his docker, his charity is unbelievable. His, his, his cleanliness as far as money is concerned. So what happens? So all his disciples have that to a degree, to varying degrees, they have that. Your question about what's going to be is a very, very serious question. And it bothers me very seriously. It, it bothers me for a long time. But I'll tell you what I believe. I'll tell you what I believe. The Bala Kedah says, Rabbi Yitzhak Kamor, he was a medieval uh, philosopher, Jewish philosopher, and he wrote commentaries on the Chumash. He says in a place that the Jewish people are likened unto a Philharmonic Orchestra. He says, you take a Philharmonic Orchestra, you're a musician, take a violin. Violin is a very, very nice instrument. He says, if you take a hundred violins, it'll make nice music, but it's not a philharmonic orchestra. You have to have a French horn, you have to have a flute, an oboe, a drum, a cymbal, a harp. Then you have music. He says, the Jewish people are like a, a philharmonic orchestra. Each person has a different talent. And on bottom, there's an amalgamating force. Each person, each person serves the Rabbanshalom in a different way. And then the proper music comes out. I believe that, I don't know why we don't have big people today. We have so few big people. Maybe I have ideas, I don't know why. And it makes me feel very funny, you know, you tell, you speak to a group of people, say, I knew big people. So five years from today, 10 years from today, somebody's gonna say, he's telling uh, Mises they never were big people. It's just a fantasy of his mind. But we know there were big people. We, first of all, we have this far. Second of all, we have records. You know, there were big people. What we are going to do, I believe that as long as we have the Torah and we have people who earnestly study the Torah, we might not have incorporated in one person a big person, but in, in a tzibur there will be big people. The tzibur itself will have to be the substitute of a big person. What do I mean? I'll give you a little example. I'll give you a little examples. Examples that we live by. For instance, over here, I believe that when we read the Torah on Shabbos, there are people who lapse or fall into one to speak, and I don't let them. I don't let them. 
So if you daven in yeshiva for a few years, you get a level where you don't speak during Kriya Center. Why don't you speak? Because this tzibur, this congregation doesn't speak by Kriya Center. So it's a little, it's a little thin little way of something. Here we don't speak by Kriya Here we don't speak during Chazaras or Shatz. So this, this group of people who are united together have achieved a certain level. We don't do it. We, we don't do this. You'll go into the finest shoes, and I'm not saying that we are better than they or, or, or holier than they. You can't hear a word. Not they daven. They don't daven. They don't, they don't listen to the creed. They don't do anything. But I believe that in this enclave here, this is one thing that we don't do. In yeshiva, I like to believe that people that know how to learn already, and if you look, you will see, they work, they daven with kavon with intention. And I want to This is not something that, this is something that's developed. This is something, this is a result of an orientation. This is a result of an education. This is a result of, of certain fuel that's injected to create that people should daven. And we are far from, our davening is yet far from what I, what I personally view it should be. But it's far superior to what you, you go across the street there. Don't you? They sit in the center of the air. So this tzibur has achieved, has achieved that I would say that uh, I would say 80% of the married people, maybe more, don't have televisions in their homes. This is not an accident. This is not an act. This is a result of the consensus of the attitudes of the of the of the Bnei Torah that are learning the Torah that say that a television is a lethal device. It's a lethal device. I was just riding on the plane. I came from from Cincinnati. I saw on the the American has a magazine. So you know the airlines have magazines. I'm reading a magazine. They have a whole article how crazy the television is to bring it into your home to let you expose your children to a TV. And whatever they write, I feel I could yet say worse yet what, they, what they're writing. So we have, Baruch Hashem, we have attained a level where our families, our, our, our people, our married people, have that sense of holiness. It's a sense of home to keep our homes holy. The consensus, the agreement between the Talmud HaChachamim and the Bnei Torah and, and, and the people that this is what, we don't do this. It, it takes a place of, and we are not, I just spoke yesterday to, to two, three of the married young men who were sitting, and I told them about a certain thing. I said, listen, gentlemen, we're doing a certain thing. It's perfectly legal. It's perfectly according to the Shekhanah. But I say it's not, you know, it's not, it's not proper for us to do it. But we have to find a way of elevating the whole tzibur. Now, in my mind, this is a partial answer. Serious people, we might be small as individuals, but when we pool our strength together, you take this yeshiva, it's 10 years old. Shai, how long were you in yeshiva? Eight years. Eight years. Shai, is there a difference in the level of learning, I mean, you know, like the cold and the light between, let's say, today and four years ago? Better. Better. And we always had good fellows. And the first fellows that came are wonderful people. But today there are the big Talmud upstairs. You know that upstairs in the coil there are people that are on the top 5% tile of any coil in the whole world. 
And I don't mean one person, and I don't mean two people. There are probably a million of such people. So we achieve that. So, for instance, our learning Torahs is growing. I mean, that's partially my responsibility. I'm only the fellow with the widest beard here. That's all I am. I mean, but, but we have our common aspirations, and we, we work together, and we talk together, and people come in, you know, we're not, not making a plug that people should come in. But what happens is, you know, what do you think we need a building for? But am I crazy? What, what's wrong with we'll suffer in this building? Like you said, we need such a big marriage. Me? The whole thing I see, you know, it's just that I need a vessel, a kayla, to hold all, all the, the, the kids, the women, the classes, the general classrooms, the, this, the Shabbos, the davening. So I get, so I stick my head into a quarter of a million dollar problem because this is, I know that this is the next thing we have to go. We, 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 three years ago, we started on a summer experiment. We started with a little place with eleven bungalows. Then we went to a place with twenty odd bungalows. Now we we're closing the deal on a place of forty, over forty bungalows with a big with So that summertime we could. Uh, so I feel. That there's a strength in that tzibur. There's a there's a there's a strength in a person belonging to a tzibur. In, in a way, the rebbeinu shalom doesn't play games with us. A tzibur could, could, could lift up a person. You see, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. The whole is always. And if there are earnest people in a tzibur, if you, and then oh, no, no, the only tzibur there. There are, there are, you go in Washington Heights, he comes from Washington Heights, there's a, there's a zebra of German Jews. One man, how old is the rabbi? Can I know? Uh, 94, he's older than that, they don't say so. He's 94. One man came after the war, out of the gas ovens, and he took together a few Jews and they built a fabulous, it's a type of Judaism. You do like it, you don't like it, but there's something there. You know, you know, he, 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 he pulled together, he, with strength, with spiritual strength, he built a fabulous structure. Same thing is in Williamsburg and in Borough Park and in Crown Heights. Well, what's Lubavitch? Lubavitch that's all it is. Him. But if you have a tzibur of people that, that together, you know, that learn and, and, it's, and the tzibur has vitality to it and it's alive, it's something that's alive, it can be, because people are different. People are playing, playing different instruments. People have different criticisms. And if the tzibah is honest, and you listen to the criticisms, and you adjust things, well, it happens every uh, almost every week. This one comes and says, this is wrong. And we, we weigh on it, we, treat, we try gradually. You know, it has life to it. This might be a substitute of Rodham God. What the Rebunishal wants, why we don't have today, the big people that we have, I don't know. I just, I don't know, I accept it. it's a question of faith, I accept it, I don't know, but, but what, the, what the, the alternate route to that will be, will be an enclave of people. You have it, you have it today, uh, you, you have uh, various, you have for instance in Borough Park, you have a, there's a Lakewood, a base marriage of people that learned in Lakewood, there's a Telza base marriage of people that learned in Tels, and they have the... Each one is different, you know. I mean, they're, they're not the same. I mean, you can't lump them all together, but it's a force. 
It's a force, and I and I know, and I know. Here, I see, I listen, I see things. It's, the color is never the same from year to year. Uh, this you have to be, you have to be a long time in Torah to see how it's different. I mean, I'll tell you, it's not the same thing. It's not from year to year. You see that there's a difference. You see that there's a difference, and there has to be an, uh, a desire and an authenticity to people involved to authentically want to be Jews, you know. And, and, and this is the only substitute that I could uh, see for otherwise. It's bad news. Because there aren't the big people. Uh, uh, you, you know, uh, you take a Jew, uh, Moshe Feinstein, Yankov Kermetsky, and my Rabbi Rav Hutner. I mean, there aren't Jews. First of all, there aren't people with such a head like his. I mean, his head is probably the biggest head of everybody. Both Rabbi Moshe Feinstein's head, his, his head is unbelievable. You see his writings. Well, you have to have talent to understand he has certain writings that you almost believe it's impossible to come out of a mind. The things, you know, his questions and, and, and his answers, his answers, I mean, uh, uh, you, 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 th- you don't see a mind like that. You don't see a mind like that. I don't know what, what it is. And I, and, I, and I know the man since I'm by mitzvah. You know, and I'm very close to him. I, I, I never saw anything. You don't see people with such a mind. I, mean, I never saw such a genius. I never saw such a his 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 his, his understanding of what Yiddishkeit is and his ability to bring it out is it's it's, it's like an almost not human. I mean, and the vastness of his erudition, what he knows. I mean, math and philosophy and, and psychology, whatever you want. You know, and the man never went to school. You know, and he knows everything, but knows it thoroughly. And he knows it, you know, with a, with a force and to use it. Why there, why there aren't people? I don't know why there aren't people. But the substitute is, I believe, a group of people, honest people. You know why? You know, honest people could talk to each other. They could criticize each other. And if a person accepts criticism, he'll grow. So I'll grow from you and you'll grow from me and both of us from Daniel and then Jeff will come and scream at us and then... It, it, if you're listening, if you want to listen, you'll grow. If you don't want to listen, if your ears are shut, there's nothing to talk about. And this, and I'll show it to you, after I told you all this, I'll show you that I found in the aphorisms of Rabbi Shulayim Diskin, who himself was almost like a malach. He died about 60 or 70 years ago in Jerusalem. So he writes at the end, I found, he said that, Atzibur of Talbini Chachamim, a tzibur of Bnei Torah air up to another godly, he says. And this is a... Alone you can't survive in today's modern society. Between Jews you can't survive. Alone, alone between Jews you can't survive because the Jews have so many, so many secular ideas and so many secular nonsense and so many secular distortions have entered into Jewish... In, 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 in the rabbis. I mean, I can't help it, they, because a rabbi is not a rabbi anymore. I mean, a rabbi is an administrator, he's a psychologist, he's a fundraiser, he's an entertainer, he's a speechmaker. Uh, unfortunately, I have to say that too, you know, because the rabbis are not the rabbis that were 15, 20 years ago. And this, I, I, find, I find that this is a... Yes, now who had another question? Which question... Uh, 
Someone had another question. Oh yeah, Danny had a question. What did you have a question, Danny? What was your question? I asked about the hat. Listen, Danny, I'll take my hat and pull it over your ears. Danny, the hat is not worth one snuff of snuffing tobacco, Danny. You hear what I'm telling you? Not the hat, not this, not the beard, not the paste. It's not worth one penny. You understand? What's most important is to understand what Torah is all about and master it and appreciate it. And then all these things grow by themselves. I didn't put on any fertilizer for my beard to grow. You understand? All this business, you could have you could have a white hat, and you could wear a short jacket. You know what I'm telling you? These are all things that come later, 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 later. You know what it is? It's just like it's it's, it's just like artistry in anything, in music, in painting. You've got to understand art basically, solidly. Then later your talent comes out. I have friends that don't have any beards and don't wear a black hat that I can't stand next to them. They're so much bigger than I am. I'm a small guy. You understand? All this business is 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 is, is, is taken and out of context. Yiddishkeit is something that's in here and in here and in here. You have to do it, think it, live it, feel it. You understand? This is, this is ridiculous, you know. This is ridiculous. Yes, when you become a Talmud Chacham and you, and you have had years of experience in Yiddishkeit, and then you, you get a certain feeling, you know, it, it, which is built. It's like a fruit that comes out of a tree, out of a mature tree. You know, just to go and put on a black hat, is, 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 it's Purim. You understand? When I was your age, I wore a beret when I went over the ocean and I was in Europe. You understand? It's not, it's not, I'm not saying that I would put on a show, I wouldn't take my beard off. But it, it's, it's not necessary. And, it's, and that's not definitive and that's not the depth of Yiddishkeit. You understand? Yiddishkeit is, Yiddishkeit is vibrations that, that, that vibrate inside your neshama. And all these externalities, I'm not saying they're not, come when you know what Torah is all about. They come, it's, it's like, ever, I watch painters mix paint, you know, they take white paint, they throw in a few drops or something, they mix it, and gradually the colors change. You don't take the whole bucket of color and, and throw it into the white paint, it's ridiculous. Yiddishkeit is... I mean, I, I, I go after the Pesach to Chicago. In Chicago, there are a group of doctors, religious doctors. I come into a doctor's house at 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night after a long day. Fellow without a beard, he's sitting and, sitting and struggling over a Gemara. A prominent doctor, a young fellow. Yeah, you have to face the, 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 the reality of what Yiddishkeit is. It's not a game, it's not a, uh, a masquerade ball. I'm not saying that a beard is insignificant. A beard is insignificant until you know what it's all about and you feel what it's all about. 
the Chassam Soifer says in a tshuva, one of his responses, that you could be a tzaddik gomu without a beard. What else? Time just for a few more. Another question. No? Liza, what kind of question you want to know? Your question has to wait. Your question is in a technical yeah. question. Your question is, is a big question. You know what I mean? It's not for one minute, your question. It's not for the... Understand, it's a, your question is a big question, you know what I mean? It's the, you know, it's the ultimate question. It, it takes a lot of time. You know, I wouldn't, couldn't do it in one section. I don't even know if I know all the answers. I, you know, I can only tell you what I feel. You hear a foe, I feel very, I feel more than strongly. It's by me, it's more than theoretics. I see, you know, people holding themselves together. I saw friends of mine who were brilliant in the yeshiva. They were brilliant and they were not only brilliant, they were serious people. They went away. This one went out west to a city. He thought he'll survive by himself. He dissipated. You can't. You need, you need that grinding. You need, you need that grinding. You need, Jeff should scream at you. You, know. you need, you need, a person has to, it's called toichocha, one of the tariyag mitzvahs is, you need chastisement. You know, a person gets lost, he doesn't hear himself. And only if people are together seriously and on a noble level, not on a petty level, people can grow. People can grow, men, women. And we live in, in a tempestuous society. I don't care how peaceful and how calm, and how calm it looks past the county line here. It's not peaceful and calm. It's not at all. You know how many young people died from ODs in Lawrence in the last 10 years? In the finest Jewish homes. It's not peaceful there. You know how many idiotic, for idiotic reasons, how many homes are broken? How immoral. It's a morass. I don't want to say this town. All the way down to the end, to Mantok Point. Here we're trying to a group of people. In the 10 years, I mean, there are a group of people, I don't say everybody could remain here. You know, life has takes people to other places, but I say what, what we're trying to do is, I see it growing, I see it work. I see, I said to somebody, the children, Shabbos morning, the children, the oldest child is probably today, yeah, six years old, uh, five years old, six years old, Benjamin Sussman's last I said, those kids, they'll grow up davening, like we daven. They won't come into a show and speak in the middle of Dominic. Nobody's going to have to tell them the meaning of Dominic. Well, they don't Dominic is, but they just run around and listen to it. And one of the reasons I told them that we need a big best match because the kids don't have enough room to run around in. And we want to make that thing in the middle, that beam in the middle, so the kids should be able to run up and down. Not because we want to read the Torah up there. The kids should have a place to run up and down. It's because I was a kid and I did that. And I didn't have a word to let the Mabba Mitzvah. And by the time I started to daven, I already knew what the davening is all about. But isn't it an interruption or a distraction to the others? That's because you're from a marinate, you marinated human being. Sure, it's a distraction. Who said you're supposed to have comfort? 
Shutzah is good. You have to keep it. You got to keep. You understand? You got to watch it. It shouldn't get out of hand. But a certain amount of savlonus. How do you say savlonus in English? Patience is another word. A certain amount of patience you have to have. A certain amount of patience you have to have. You know, there are parents that go to, to, to shul, they sit the kids down on a chair, they tell the kid, you sit here and look in the book, that's no good. You leave the kid alone. If it gets too noisy, you have to watch it. But you can't have the decorum that they have in the Mamarian Jewish Center. That decorum reminds me of the decorum in Riverside over here. I'm just going to say a funeral. Yeah, a funeral. So, but you have to let the kids to get to love the place. Understand? They shouldn't feel uh, incarcerated. All right, listen, you can't let a kid go wild. You know, I'm not such a liberal, but not so pers- permissive. But, but what happens is the kids learn how to dabble. The kids, the children have fantastic radar instruments. Children know so much, it's unbelievable. Science doesn't even know how children absorb the information that they absorb. And the levels, the depths of what they absorb. And that's why you bring up people, you bring up... Uh, people grow just like they grow naturally, without fertilizers, without chemical fertilizers. You see, all the, the synagogue business with the deform is chemicals. We have to have decorum, and everybody must look the same way, because you don't know what to do. And if you do it on your own, there'll be pandemonium. Therefore, we have rules and regulations to tell you each one was made his hat. You can't wear your towels over your head. You can't wear your hat. You got to stand here, sit here, because you don't know what to do. So we must make rules to fit everybody into this machine. But when the people know what they're doing, you're ready. There's an artist that painted a shoe, a picture of a shoe. So it's a fantastic, I once saw it. He captured something so fabulous. Every Jew was sitting in a different position. You know, an old shoe. One Jew was diving this way, one Jew was diving this way, and one Jew was standing, and one Jew was holding his hands like this. Every Jew, there was no decorum. Because it was a personal expression. And yet it was one. I feel this is the only way out. And if you want to read a book, I don't know if you read it, you know, if you read the name of the book is, the author is Mr. Toffler, the name is... Uh, Future shock. Yeah, if you read there, he says in a place that there's, you know, what's happening, the technology, what's happening in society is happening. And he says what will be, there will be enclaves of where they will preserve, you know, the humanity, the, the wholesomeness of humanity. So outside will be like a storm. And it's that way. Okay, gentlemen. Where are the gentlemen of Nazareth Academy that I have to talk to?